will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bed. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Hello and welcome to episode 427 of Fergo on the Freak. I'm that weak gutter dog Andrew RLP on Twitter. And joining me is that other weak gutter dog League Freak. You can also find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, you weak gutter dog? Not bad, you weak gutter dog. Um, we've got a lot of, a lot to answer for, for things that we did when we were 11. Yeah, look, I, um, I think I might have said some kid was dumb. Um, so, you know. I'm a weak gutter dog. I, I I swore at at, at one of my classmates. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was one of the bad swear words too. One of the four letter ones. Oh yeah. So it was. Uh, I mean, probably still hates me for it. Probably. Well, look, it's been a good purge. I'm glad I got that off my chest. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've you've got to confront these things, you know. I mean, all of the things you did as a child, basically. Going forward, it turns you into a weak gutted dog. That, that's right. That's right. Um, this is, we have to be clear on this. So, you know, mm. Mm. Um, everyone knows where we stand now when it comes to us. Yes, yes. We we are both weak gutted dogs. We are. We are. We're not. We're not going to hide from that. Nah, nah, nah. Um, now, the difference between us mm-hmm. and say Ricky Stewart mm-hmm. is, and I'm reading this directly from one Paul Kent. Okay. Ricky Stewart could have easily rolled over and explained why he said what he said to gain sympathy, but he's made he well, he says he said but he's as in Ricky Stewart he's made this is the Ricky Stewart who held a grudge for twelve years over what a pre teenager did in something to do with the game of footy with his own child yeah a little boy yeah um, he that Ricky Stewart. He's made of stronger stuff. He doesn't hold a grudge against 11-year-old kids <laughs> for 12 years. He doesn't do that because he's made of stronger stuff. Mm. Um, and so the way Paul Kent went about proving that um, Ricky, a grown, we would have been in his 40s at the time, I'm assuming, 30s or 40s, yeah. holding a grudge against an 11-year-old kid, mm-hmm. um, holding on to that for over a decade, um, that, that stronger stuff that makes Ricky Stewart. Um, Paul Kent went on to prove that he's made a stronger stuff by um, shitting on Mark Guy's family. Yeah, I saw that. Um, first of all, the first thing that come come out of it for me is that, and I've said this before, people and their analogies are fucking dumb. Okay. Well, I'm surprised that it's you didn't like, just immediately just go straight to to Nazi Hitler. Isn't that usually yeah. the the go to? I mean, normally, guy. I mean, that's a weird half step. Yeah, it, it people say like one. This thing is just like this other thing, and and you just want to say you're an idiot, and no, it is not. It is nothing like it. You are talking about two completely different situations, and uh, look, the the thing I think we've seen over the last particularly 24 hours, because, like, we, we've talked about the Ricky Stewart thing, and I think the the actual situation has been pretty well covered. Um, but the aftermath of it and seeing the way that the media has t- generated um, negativity and, and, and clickbait, and they just 
continually do this. And that. I'm surprised that, like, I mean, the thing is, I, I'm surprised that Paul Kent had time to write an article considering that it seems like he's too busy filleting fucking Ricky Stewart all the time, you know? Wait, I would say slurp on Ricky, slurp on a beer, you know, you take it in turns. <laughs> um, I did say on, what was it, two days ago, I was curious how this whole situation would unfold in the media, and I guessed then that the mainstream media guys will attempt to verify Stewart's claim by revealing anything negative about Salmon since mm-hmm. birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and you nailed and- it. Nailed it. Uh, and he's surprised. I mean, Stuart's mates with half these journos, and it's because he's mates with um, Steve Crawley, the more important brother, I guess, out of the two. It's Paul's Paul's nobody. Um, but Paul Canton and what he wrote today, um, it's A, a distraction to take heat off Stuart. Mm-hmm. And be the work of a maggot. Yeah, the thing that gets me is that we have corporate media and they're not mainstream because their ideas and their opinions of what they push are not part of the mainstream thinking. The corporate media, uh, and in particular, there's a, a group of about 10 people that we see on TV shows and then they say something and then their corporate media um, decides that that's the story and they generate their own publicity out of it. Because this none of this is talking about the game of rugby league. It's not involved but, in the game of rugby that's, league. Uh, that's the first step, though. We, we could probably do an episode on how you had to be a mainstream journal. The first step when writing any article is to take the story away from what goes on on the field because they don't watch it and they don't understand it. Yeah, exactly. And And the thing that gets me is that You'll see online a lot of people saying, oh, the mainstream media, I can't, be- can't believe it, can't believe it. And it's like, why do you keep reading it then? You know, mm. you, you're you feeding into it. I can't, and I don't watch NRL 360. Used to a few years ago, and we talked about it on the podcast. We'd be like, oh, I didn't see 360 last night. That was a bit silly. Let's be honest, um, though. We watched it mostly to provide content for this. Well, But, but after a while, we went, we don't need that dog shit in our lives to create content. And we proved that by, you know, sure we scaled back from 35 episodes a week to 30. Um, well, see, but... I never watched it for content. I used to watch it cause there was, it was something to watch, you know, I'd chuck it on it. It's a bit, bit of footy stuff, you know, and, um, but yeah, I mean, but, but that, but that's the difference between you. You are a genuine league freak, so you don't need it for content. I kind of do. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think that, uh, the the it's almost like a wheel, you know, where the, it's like something happens in the game. The journalist says something about it that is outrageous and on purpose. You know, these aren't these things are calculated. There's a reason why these oh, people yeah. are in these roles because they say these outrageous things. Then they write about the outrageous thing that is said, and then we get the reaction to the outrage, and, and it's just this circle that goes around and. Look, it's, I think, the only, it's only the reaction from their colleagues. Yeah, yeah. And, and so they they generate their own stories within yeah. the organisation. And then but they're not talking about rugby league. And this is just a, another example of it. And I just think that it's time that NRL clubs and the league itself starts to have a look at these people who have 
media passes and have access to the game and start cutting them off because they're not yeah. doing anything for the game. The whole like, the whole old school thinking of it was, look, I write about rugby league and that generates you free publicity and so you give me free access to the game. That doesn't happen anymore. They generate negative publicity for themselves and they use it using the ve- the game as a vehicle and that should not be allowed to happen. And I think that it's imperative for the clubs and the NRL to sit down and think about their media strategy. They shut down the NRL, you know, studios and the NRL's ability to generate its own media. And as soon as they did that, they turned putrid. The, the, the corporate press turned into this putrid, disgusting thing, um, more so than it was already. And the NRL should have a real good think about that. I doubt that they will. I'm sure Andrew Abdo will go out and talk to all of these scumbags, say a lot, do nothing, and because they're they're in with these media fucking maggots themselves. Fully, fully agree. Um, it's a self-serving, sycophantic fucking cycle. It's horrible. I hate it. It's, it's deplorable. It, it makes it hard to enjoy the game. When you've got all of this, it used to be outside bluster you could switch off, but now they give these fuckheads gigs on the sideline, actually calling the game. Hooper's mm. now a sideline commentator, and he's and so bad at trading us in the in the bloody games now. Yeah, and, and James Hooper, like you, I heard, I think it was on the weekend, Warren Smith was calling the game, and he'd be like, "Oh, you know, this player got this try, and this is the score now, and so and so has gone off," and and then. James Hooper says the exact same thing. And I swear you could hear it in Ron Smith's voice when they crossed back to him. It was like, I just fucking said that. Like, he's just repeating what I'm saying. And he does it the yeah. whole game. And yeah. look, it, it doesn't detract from my personal enjoyment of the game because I see it as outside noise, right? Um, I it, it, isn't, it isn't rugby league. This is just a bunch of angry old men yelling into the, you know, the cloud saying shit that is just putrid and, and hateful. And it's not about enjoying rugby league. It's just this weird other thing. I don't even know where you categorize it as, you know, it's not like they're even being critical of people within the game. It's, they're just yelling horrible shit. I, I don't get it. I don't know why people, pay for it. I don't know why people watch it, but they do. And I think that it's up to people to just switch it off because that's that's the business model, you know? The business model for someone like a James Hooper is that he sits down to do a stupid little blog, whether it actually is, is him or not, and people spread it around and they say, oh, what he's saying is ridiculous. That's his business model. Oh, Stop yeah. feeding it. But I... I... I don't mind if he's got that business model. I just don't want it involved in the game of football than when I'm watching it. I get I don't that. Need, I don't want that shit in my face. I want to be able to just turn off James Hooper, but be able to turn on rugby league and watch it. I don't want that dickhead being involved in the game. Sits on the sideline very much. Every time, the one thing you'll always hear from him, you'll have one of the first comments in the second half. You'll go, 
Enter the name of the team that's behind on the scoreboard. Needs to score first here. No fucking <laughs> shit, dickhead. It's like that if that's you not watch, insight. Yeah, look, if you watch Channel Nine, they've got some sideline people who they'll be like, "Breaking news: So and So has uh, passed their HIA. They'll be okay." And it's like that's not fucking breaking news. What the fuck are you talking about? Hey, at least, at least they'll go to the dressing room. You know. But James Hooper has zero, zero uh, interviewing techniques or knowledge. So he wouldn't even go into the dressing sheds. They wouldn't even let him in there. They're just even going, who's that dumb old ball prick out there yelling? What's he doing? You're going, oh, we think he's trying to be a journalist. I don't want him near here. And he wouldn't be trying to be a journalist. He wouldn't be asking questions. He's probably on, on the phone to fucking Maccas or something to try and get some food. He's too scared to talk to people. Most the, busy knows I'll tell them to fuck off all the time. But the thing is, the NRL gives out media passes, right? Yeah. You've got to have a media pass to be on the sideline, okay? And and well, at, at NRL level, anyway. <laughs> no, you do it low grades level. I've, like I've seen it, you've got to have. Well, uh, that, that 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 must be only a new thing that they've brought in because when I was doing reporting, um, New South Wales Cup games, mm-hmm. mind you, it was about a decade ago. Mm-hmm. I just walked onto the ground and walked up and down the sideline and no one said anything. Look, to be fair, at some games you could probably still do that. But, like, I I know that when I was at games and I'm thinking about one in particular, it was look, it was the New South Wales Cup Grand Final. Okay. Uh, don't want to brag. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> but, and you know, the funny thing is I never had a media pass. But... Um, people like there was, I remember there was a game that it was the New South Wales cup final day and they, there was only certain people that could go down and interview people that were coming off the field that were on the sideline because they had the, the right qualifications on their media pass. Um, I didn't need a media pass cause <laughs> kind of a big deal. So, yeah. um, but the NRL at NRL level, you definitely need them. And look, it's up to the NRL to say, what does this person bring to our overall entertainment package? And if all they bring is is anger and hatred and shit, don't give them a media pass. They're not well, adding I, anything. I remember working for a media organisation, um, a smaller one, an independent one, and they were they were attempted to try and get media passes for um, their staff. Well, paid writers, so, you know, it was... They were being legit. Hmm. And one of the things that was in the application was, um, do you agree not to write anything slanderous about the NRL? I was like, really? How come we're being asked that? Did you <laughs> have a look at what, what you said on the Daily Telegraph website? That's funny. Fucking hell. See, I remember I was asked to get a media pass to do um, the the commentary, and I was like, no, nah, not doing it. And I, I was asked really nicely again, and they were like, look, it would be really cool if you did. And so I said, all right, I'll have a look. And they wanted so much information. I was like, I'm not giving these fucking people this information. Like, get fucked, you know. It's just a bunch of people in rugby league want all the information. It's like, fuck off. <laughs> um, so I never got one, and it never was a problem for me. But I was just calling games. I wasn't going down on the sideline and stuff. Yeah. And I was also just calling games, you know. I wasn't. I wasn't muckraking and stuff like that. Um, but I, I just think that the NRL really has to think about its media strategy because at the moment, if you look at what's happened over, especially the last 72 hours or so, um, 
none of this is positive for the NRL. None of it at all. No. I don't know why it's taken so long to hand down a decision over Ricky Stewart and what he did. And I don't know why the NRL would continue to give access to people that just scattergun bullshit every single fucking day at the game. There's, yeah. there's it makes no sense to me. Oh, none at all. Uh, now, look, there's talk here that Ricky Stewart could get a two-match two match suspension. Mm. So what's the point of that? Yeah. Well, look, I said on the last episode, I think $50,000 fine and suspended yeah. for the rest of the year. Well, I, I, suspension just seems weird, especially if the, if the Raiders are not looking to be a finals force. What's what's the suspension going to do? He gives a shit. Just hand him a heavy fine. Look, the reason and maybe why... he can donate the money to the RSPCA to help all the weak gutted dogs out there. Maybe they can get a bit better. Maybe um, get him some wormer tablets or something. Exactly. Do something positive with the money. <laughs> make it a big fine, a really big fine, and just say you've got a bit of a reputation, Ricky, for blowing up about all sorts of shit in the media. You know, at the NRL and stuff like that. Um, so how's about we give you this massive fucking fine and you agree to pull your head in and stop acting like a child and start being that strong-willed person Paul Kent's trying to t- say that you are. Because he goes off his handle over the slightest things all the time. Mm. Well, th- well, that's why I would do the, f- <clears throat> the 50000 fine in conjunction, I, I, in conjunction right, I, with a suspension. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because Ricky Stewart has been doing this shit for 20 fucking years. And I, I just think that there needs to be some sort of bigger consequence. I, yeah, I think you know that. What? I don't think suspending him is going to send any message. I think he's giving a $300,000 fine. The, the reason, I mean, that's give the club, give the club the same as well. That's the, that's starting to get into NBA fine territory. Yeah, but as you said, he's been doing this for 25 years. I don't think giving him a suspension is going to do anything. I think if you give him a massive fine and just say, pull your head in because this is what you're going to cop. And furthermore, the next time you do it, we're going to double the fine. Just think about that and give the same fine to the club as well. So, you know what? Mm. You've done nothing to stop this and curb this behavior. So you deserve a punishment as well. You know what I would do if that happened to me and I was Ricky Stewart? I would go to the Raiders and say sack me because as the NRL wins. Well, here's the thing: if if you go to the Raiders and they sack you, um, you've got zero obligations to the NRL. And we saw that in terms of something that happened. And I'm not going to name names, but up in Brisbane there was a, a, a salary cap audit that was going on, and somebody yes. that was involved in that audit decided yes. to quit. And as such, they had no obligations to speak to anyone at the NRL because they weren't involved in the NRL. That's, that's right. Now, and, and so that's what I would do if, if it was that much. But I also think that if you find someone $300,000, my guess is there are probably tax implications in regards to that. And look, which, there might be, but you know, that, you've got to send a stronger message. I don't think a suspension to a coach sends any strong message at all. I think a massive fucking fine, knowing that, he hasn't cheated. He hasn't done anything um, to give his team an unfair advantage, unlike what happened in Brisbane you're mentioning. So if he decides to leave the game and he doesn't pay his fine, it doesn't matter. You know, the NRL's not any worse off because of it. 
mm-hmm. and the integrity of the game hasn't been impacted in any way negatively either. You know, so it's a it's a more of a win-win situation. Either they get six hundred grand, or Ricky Stewart leaves, and they put an end to this stupid circus that goes on. And you should never have a situation anywhere where any media that's got any spine and balls about it is taking playing favourites and defending people who don't deserve to be defended. When they sit there and put a blowtorch to other coaches for doing far less. Yeah, yeah, and. Look, it, it all comes back to the first thing is like I don't, I don't understand why anyone would feel like they need somebody to carry their water for them. You know, I, like I, I don't understand that. You know, and, and I don't understand how you couldn't. Um, you know, I what Ricky Stewart did was at the very, very least stupid. You know, it was stupid to just bring all of that scrutiny upon himself. Um, it was just I stupid. That, I reckon he, he does that, though, knowing that he'll get away with it because he's got friends in the media who will help him out there. And sure enough, they've tried to do that by getting King shit himself, Paul Kent, to somehow muddy the waters and get Mark Guy involved. Um, and I'm not going to go down and talk about what he did with the whole Mark Guy thing because that would be playing into the distraction he wants. This needs to be about Paul Kent and Ricky Stewart and the dumb shit they've done together. I agree, but I will say this. I hope Mark Guy runs into Paul Kent at some point. Accidentally, at night, in a dark alley. They just accidentally bump into one another. I've seen people people saying, imagine a celebrity. No, 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 none of that shit. You'd bump into him somewhere. Yeah. Because Mark Guy wouldn't have to raise his voice. You know, Mark, Mark I wouldn't, no one would be, need to hear what they said being within sight of them. Mark Guy would make Paul Kent piss his fucking pants. Mark Guy doesn't even need, he doesn't even need to say a word. He doesn't need to do anything physically. Doesn't have to be imposing. Doesn't even have to look at him. He just needs to know where Paul Kent's working, which he probably does. And just make sure he's walking past the window a few times just so that Kent knows he's there. And then, you know, when Kent goes to the pub later on, just walk past the pub window and make sure he sees him there. That's it. It's well, not stalking. He's just going for a casual walk around the block. It's like there's a there's a scene in The Dark Knight Rises where there's uh, one of the bad guys is basically talking about his plans and and Bane is, is there with him. And Bane tells this guy's off, offside or his second in command. He says, leave. And the bad guy says, no, don't leave. I'm in charge. And Bane just places his hand on his shoulder and says, do you feel like you're in charge? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, that's all it would take. Um, uh, Mark Guy is smarter than that. Of and, course. And, and that would be. That he's not going to be... let these emotions get the better of him. And he's not going to do something stupid. He, he's got that out of his system when he was playing footy. But not um... only that, that's exactly what somebody like a Paul Kent would want because yeah. it would generate him content. Um, and, and, you know, the, that sort of reaction is is not the right reaction. Um, no. But, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> you anyway, know, look, we've spoken enough about Ricky Stewart and all that sort of crap. Um, there's a few little things here. So, yeah, there was a talk that Ricky Stewart get a too much suspension. Um, the, NR, the NRL look like they've handed down their decision on the uh, West Tigers 
controversial uh, loss to the Cowboys. And uh, they've decided that, uh, fuck you, Tigers, the Cowboys win. I mean, who didn't see that coming? It turns out that results are results. Yeah, and they're final. Me. Yeah, yeah it, final results are final somehow. Yeah, and and I I don't know that I can't believe this this next bit of news that the West Tigers are not going to pursue legal action uh, to get those two points back. You'd think for a um a club that's got a man from a legal firm at the top of the tree there, you'd think he'd understand you know just how much of a case he had here. Why would you threaten this? So stupid. Um, so so, stupid. so thanks, so, so thanks stupid. for that all that wind and bluster, Chairman Lee. Um, that was great, dickhead. Um, what else has been going on? Well, there's there's news that um, Papa Lee is trying to get out of his West Tigers contract. He said he's he's got the contract for next year, and he said he's mm-hmm. he's not sure whether he's going to be committed to it. And um, I see different reactions to it. People saying, well, he signed a contract, he should honour it. I get that. But I also get that he's in a good situation at Parramatta. He's playing good footy. I think, was, I think he actually signed up because he wanted to play under a system that uh, Michael Maguire was going to put in place around him. Yeah, I believe there was, was that too. In. Now that Maguire's gone, he's not going to have that there. And you go, well, that contract changes when one of the person who signed it is now no longer with the club. But not not only that, it, I think that any professional within the game of rugby league would look at what is currently going on at the West Tigers and say, no, thank you. I don't want any part of that, not even yeah. for extra money, because it's going to cost you in the end. Like, you're, you're going to be playing in a bad side for a very long time. Um, yeah. So I, I, I also look at his situation, the player, and say, like, I get it completely, um, and I can't be mad at him for that. No, I've I've got no issue with any player at any club wanting to turn their back. Because uh, at the end of the day, you can't have a situation where you're forcing a player to be somewhere, especially if they don't want to be there. Um, whether they've signed a contract in the middle of one or about to go into one. And it's mm. got nothing to do with the player themselves or the club themselves. This is about, um, you know, you can't have a restriction of trade. Well, yeah. My- who wants to have a player at their club who doesn't want to be there? That's a good point. And the, the other thing is, like, it's funny when you hear people saying, but a contract's a contract. It's like, are you serious? Mm. Do you see what happens with these? Like, since when is a contract a contract? And they'll a say, con- well, in, in the business, then they do this analogy thing. Like, in the business world, it's like they're playing sport, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. We don't go and sign a three-year contract to go and work at the local 7-Eleven. Yeah. You sign an employment arrangement. And it's the same sort of thing, except with the ones that the footy players sign it is, we agree to let you pay us a fee that I agree that you pay me mm. for the next three years. And then there's always an option on there. It's going to be um, a, a player option, a club option. There's another type of option on there as well where they can choose – you know, what sort of clauses they can have to get out of that contract if they want to. Because nearly every contract has a get-out clause. You know, people talk about a contract, a contract. What happens over, you take the, what goes on in England an awful lot, okay, when a club goes broke and they can't afford to pay you anymore. All oh, those they... players that were the Toronto Wolfpack, are they just supposed to stand around in Toronto for the next three years while their contract runs to an end? Of course not. 
Contracts have got get-out clauses for all sorts of reasons to protect the player. That's the way the game was set up. That's what they've been constantly working on fixing from the 60s. But the, the thing is, too, like I when you, you know, people say a contract's a contract, and I, I just think of how many players have been tapped on the shoulder over recent years, especially. Yeah. Uh, you look at the Roosters, how many players have said, you know what? Uh, yeah, uh. You're, you're our favourite son 18 months ago. But now you should go to fucking play for Salford or some shit. <laughs> and other than the absolute elite of the elite players, I would not be surprised at how high the percentage of players there are out there that have broken some contract at some stage. And sometimes you can break a contract not even to leave the club, just to negotiate a better wage. Mm. You just go, you know what? I'm. I think. I think Robbie Farrow may have done it. Where and I'm. This, don't quote me on this. I could have the player wrong. I do remember there was a player, might have been at the Tigers, where they were on a pretty low uh, wage, but um, became pretty good pretty fast. And so they wanted a contract uh, to be increased. So break the contract, negotiate a higher deal, sign a longer contract, away you go. And that is very commonplace. Contracts get broken for all sorts of reasons, family reasons, personal reasons, injury reasons, yeah. um, to downgrade a contract, upgrade one, to you know, juggle the salary cap. You know, you might want to see if you can get one book to take a hundred grand less, so you can upgrade another one or buy another one. No one makes an ironclad contract because you can't work around it. You you need things to be a little bit liquid so you can sort of manage things a lot more easily. No one, clubs or players, want a rock solid contract. They want that freedom to move around with it. Yeah, and the the I guess the last thing on it all is like um what is it worth to a club to have a bunch of guys there that actually want to be there? And I think that that's been one of the strengths of the Panthers. Um, they, they're they all really happy to be there. They're all like, they all like one another. That that chemistry they've got has been a gigantic part of their success. And how many times have we seen a player not want to go to a club or not want to stay at a club and it just becomes a distraction it becomes a, a sore point with fan base. Um, that player's form normally drops a bit, and you just don't need those things at your club. You don't need those distractions. That you, you look at the teams that are going in a good direction. They sort of they they fix those issues. You know, even if yeah. a player is leaving at the end of the year, they will say, "Look, you got a better contract elsewhere. We're happy to see you go. If you want to go early, you're more than happy." but we're happy to have you here. Let's just get on with it now. Um, and I think of someone like a Brandon Smith at the Storm in that regard. Um, so, yeah, I, I, look, I, once again, I just can't imagine anyone looks at the current, you know, West Tigers system and says, oh, yeah, I want to be part of that. When And Parramatta's not perfect. But, damn, it's a lot more stable than the West Tigers and, and a, a better-run club, weirdly enough, than the West Tigers, <laughs> which is kind of crazy to think about, but, you know, it's true. Well, it's not that weirdly enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's an article which, um, I don't know why, surprised me a little bit, came out uh, on the NRA website on, on Monday, yesterday, mm-hmm. saying that the final rosters for 2022 have been confirmed. Oh, I guess I guess that <laughs> I mean, is. I was like, oh, 
that, that feels a few months late. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's in regards to you can't sign anyone now going into the finals. Yeah, so there's a an August 1 deadline for the 2022 squads to be completed, the 30-man rosters to be completed. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I yeah. assume that's their attempt to try and stop trades during the finals. Yeah, well, <laughs> it used to be the June 30 deadline, um, and they changed it. And, yeah, it's, it's so that you can't, it's basically so you're locked in for the finals. You know, yeah. they, what they don't want is to say, get in the finals and, you know, for, and I just use an example, say the Panthers, uh, lost Nathan Cleary and there was some great halfback that was playing in Super League. There's not, but just say there was. They signed him on a three match deal. They, you know, you can't do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, that makes they, sense. Yeah. But I was looking through it and, um, I wasn't really interested in what the 16 teams are because we've already seen them. I wanted to go and see who Wayne Bennett's got for the Dolphin squad so far for next year. And mm-hmm. He hasn't quite, he hasn't got the 30 players yet. Mm-hmm. But I dare say he's probably going to get some local juniors to come in to, to fill the numbers up because he's only missing like four or five players. Yeah, he's almost there, yeah. Um, but I'm looking at it. It's a fairly solid mix of um, depth players, a few genuine starters, some experienced players, some young guys. Mm-hmm. Um, does feel a little hodgepodge. Yeah, which it, it's an exp- it's an expansion team, and this is how they yeah. all feel. Like even And I suppose he's only had 12 months. Mm. It's not like he's been able to get – like two years would have been handy because he could have got players coming off contract in the second year as well and actually built a really good core squad around. Yeah. And could have given these guys a bit of a trial run as well in, in in games and the like. But he's got to sort of build it in less than 12 months, get it all together and get them training together and hopefully get them to gel. Um, the one name on there that he's got which intrigues me the most is Anthony Milford. Me too. It's interesting you say that. Mm. I Watching him play, I go between like he's – He's a first grader, but then there's other times I'm like, he's probably look. He's he's the type of player that an expansion club ends with, you know. And the thing that people you'll see the media will attack the Dolphins. Um, the thing that they're forgetting is like this is the first team on the first day that they will play a game. This isn't their forever team, you know. No, that's right. You've got to kind of get who you can get to start with, and. Look, I think their squad is just what you would expect from an expansion club. They're getting guys that are towards the end of their careers, but that will be, you know, they're, they're not done yet. Um, no, they're going to be pretty handy. Yeah, they're, you know, they're, are they going to win? They'll win some games, I think. Um, do you reckon that the squad they've got, and keeping in mind they're going to be coached by Wayne Bennett, do you reckon with the squad they've got that they're better than the West Tigers? Yes. I tend to agree. Um the thing they've got which looks handy is their spine doesn't look poor. Um, mm-hmm. So usually what a lot of mistakes that teams have made when they've signed Milford is they've made him halfback. Um, yeah. You need him running. If he's going sideways, he's doing nothing for you but killing your attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he's if he's got someone else doing a lot of that creation stuff and he's just running into gaps and you know throwing the old good pass here and there, putting the old good kick, um, he's very handy and very, very dangerous that way. And with Sean O'Sullivan there, at halfback, I think Milford could prove to be a smarter buy than people will give him credit for. Yep. 
And if it doesn't work, he's got Cody Nicarima there as well. Um, Jeremy Marshall King at hooker, I dare say. It's it's a solid enough playmaking um, group there. Uh, I assume Asako will be fullback. So um, the spine's pretty solid. And that, that's your main thing. That, that's the bit you want the most. Um, he's got a few good forwards there. The yeah. Bromwich brothers. Yeah. Um, a few good finishes here and there. It's not It's not a horrible squad. Um, the go forward looks all right. Jared Wallace, um, Jesse Bromwich. That's a pretty handy front row. Uh, and that's, that's, I don't the, know. It doesn't look the, that bad. Mark Nichols is there with Kenny Bromwich in the second row. Felice Cafusi, I know he's at the end of his career, but that's got a bit of punch about it. Yeah, they know what they know what to do with those players, and yeah. you know th- there's also a lot of players there that have played rep football, so they know how to gel pretty quickly as a team. And he's obviously focused more on his forward pack than anything else, which I think is the smart way to go about it. The other thing that people will forget is that um, this isn't just a a license that was handed out to a consortium. This is a football club. They've yeah. got grades, and so they'll they'll have players that will be coming through. Um, probably even next year that will come into first grade. So, um, like, I, there's going to be people that will be like, oh, there's not enough talent, blah, blah, blah. And, and I just think that, you know, you got to, there's been one expansion team I can think of in all of human history that was good from the get go. And that was the Melbourne Storm. Um, and look at the Melbourne Storm Club. They're, they're, they're an anomaly. You know, I think the the better gauge is maybe someone like a Gold Coast Titans when they come into the competition. Um, yeah. And they were able to target a few higher quality players who were off contract. But I think that that's the sort of region you should be looking for where they can be inconsistent. If they hook everything up and they get a little bit more talent in there, they might make the finals in a couple of years' time. But you know, to expect them to come out of the gates and be one of the contenders, um, that's not going to happen, and, and that's okay. Look, most of the players that Bennett has signed are on uh, two-year deals. Yeah. Right, so um, I think he's still got four spots open, even when you include the uh, development list. Uh, so that means basically eight players he can sign for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look at what he has signed so far, uh, he's been pretty good with his salary cap, which means he's probably got a big chunk of cash left over as well. So he might just be looking to get set up and solid in that first year, knowing that he's got a big wad of cash to spend um, on whoever might be available for 2024. And there could be quite a bunch of players who are available at the end of next year. Um, Let's see if there's any. We'll just skim past the West Tigers because no one wants to buy their players. No, no. I wonder if Joey Manu would be available around then because you get him, you've got one of the best fullbacks in the game. Um, I know Payne Haas would have been one that they could have targeted, but Bennett is very, very clear that you don't spend big money on forwards, which I don't know that I agree with if they're a really quality player. But, um, you know, so you won't see him targeting Payne Haas on big money. No. Actually, I just saw Angus Crichton is available at the end of this year, but then I remember reading an article yesterday that said that Crichton and Cameron Murray could be targeted to play rugby union in the next World Cup, which is, I think, next year. 
Yeah, I doubt that's going to happen. I um, I wouldn't be surprised if they sign a deal to go over there and they play like three Super 12s games or whatever the number sevens or whatever it is they've got now. They play like three of those, get picked for the Wallabies, they go in the World Cup and run fifth or whatever they do and then come back to the league. <laughs> well, that, look, they'd walk into the to the Australian Rugby Union test team as all rugby league players do. Um, but, but yeah, I, I just think it'd be a really silly career move. Like, why would you do that? Like, yeah. Makes no sense. Actually, one player is off contract at the end of next year is Latrell Mitchell. Damn, he'd be a, an amazing signing. Because that's the thing. I wouldn't be surprised if he looks at what South have got and he goes to that well first. Damien Cook? Cook? I could see them getting because I could see South saying it's time for a change. Yeah. Especially when, uh, you know, they've got that young halfback. What's his name again? I forget his name. Is that uh, Taff or No, Tass? no, the halfback. Tass? No, no. Um, he doesn't play alongside Cody Walker. <laughs> I thought that was Tass. Is it someone else? No, no. What's his name? Oh, I'm so bad with names. It's so terrible. Ilias. Yeah, that's it. Ilias. All right. Um, look, he, he's he's going all right. You can start to see he's settling into first grade. In a couple of years' time, I think he'll be a pretty handy first-grade halfback, and he's going to be very young still. Yeah. And I could see where South say, look, we need a young hooker that we can – we now have the ability to bring him in because um, – you know, by then, as some of their older players are going to be, it's definitely going to be time to move them on. So I could see them getting Cook. Yeah. Uh, also, Cody Walker would be free in 2024. Yeah, but how old's he going to be in 2024? It won't matter too much if he's got a decent squad around him. That's true, the main but, thing. True. I, I just, I don't know. Like, it would be a rental. I don't know that they'd be targeting a rental well, at that other... point. All right, we'll get back to the, the solid buys in because I've just come across the uh, the Dragons. That's not a setup for a joke. Uh, Aaron Woods, Moses and Buy. Mm. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Toto. He'd be a good buy. Charlie Staines. I wish he would go now. <laughs> Liam Martin. Vincent Lenew. Um... Stephen Crichton. Crichton's going to be up for a big contract at some point, and it's going to be a real balancing act no, for Penrith. At the end of next year. Yeah, it's a, they're going to have to decide whether you spend the big money on him. And, and I don't, I don't, still don't know either way, especially when you look at all the youngsters they've got coming through. Like, you, you get a halfback like Cleary once every what would you say, eight to ten years? And I'm and I'm saying like a halfback that you know you can bank on, you know, like a, a Cooper Cronk style yeah. halfback at the very least. Well, the uh, good thing about Cronk, which is what Cleary's got, you know, pretty similarly, is an ability to avoid serious injuries. Yeah, good kicking game. You know what you're getting out of him. Yeah. Like, And I think that uh, Cleary's ceiling is going to be higher than Cronk's. Um, yes, absolutely. But, There's also Mitch Moses. Yeah, see, I, I don't He's, buy Mitch Moses, hey? Hmm. Don't buy Mitch Moses. One, How would he go, though, under a proper coach with a good forward pack around him who understands good, you know, processes? And that's the one thing Bennett's always done, though. He's, he's built attack based on what the forwards 
uh, what platform they lay first. Yeah. He's always built his squads that way. That could be something that would work in Moses. Well, it would work in Moses' favour, but would uh, would Bennett be able to make it ha- better? Yeah, you'd have to see something in him. Hey, and, and only mm. Wayne Bennett knows that yeah. question. Because I look at Mitch Moses and and uh, look, I'm not Wayne Bennett. I don't know if you know that. I'm not Wayne Bennett. Um, well, I keep I keep we, telling we you. We now know one person you're not. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I look at Mitch Moses and I'm like, call me when he's won something. Yeah. Um, Cowboys got a lot of people off contract at the end of next year. Yeah. They're going to be busy. Who have they got off contract? Um, Ben Condon, Scott Drinkwater, Mitchell Dunn, Brendan Elliott, Brendan Fry, Jake Granville, Ben Hampton, Peter Hicku, uh, Lacia Mustadrecki, Jeremiah Nanai, Griffith Neem, Reese Robson, Hamaso Tabio Fidea, Mary Tualangi, and Jermaine Tanoa Brown. Ooh, there's a lot there that I would want. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's a, a lot. lot there. Um, so they've got some work to do there to uh, obviously find out who they're letting go, who they're keeping, because, um, yeah, that's that's busy. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, the Knights themselves have got a fair few free as well, but, I mean... Yeah, I, they've got to sort out their coach before they start re-signing players too. Yeah, even their best, well, I think he's their best player, Braley. He's coming off that, that devastating injury for a hooker. He is, um, God, he's, he is so damn good. And he's, a lot of people will go, he's just come from nowhere to be as good as he is. But he was he was as, this good when he was at the Sharks. Mm. But the one thing that the... You know, Knights coaches maybe did by accident, I don't know, but the, the one thing they did that was really smart is they made him captain almost immediately mm-hmm. because he just took his game to that next level straight away and just kept it there. Um, just rock solid. And the, I know the team just plays better when he's on the field. That's what you want your captain to be able to do, just that little bit of extra belief that you can get in the side there. And um, they fucking missed him when he wasn't there. They really yeah. did. The only, so thing that, the only thing that gets me about him is, oh, like, I... If I'm building a club, I want my hooker to be um, bulletproof, and I would be terrified about that Achilles. Yeah, look, it's it's a 50-50 thing. I, I think the Achilles thing worries me more if it's a back. If a back's getting an Achilles injury, I'm going, I'm not going near him. If it's mm. a hooker, though, mm. a lot of it can come down to what you're doing off the ground at dummy half. It's not always about the running game. You don't want any player to have Achilles injuries, but no. uh, it's a it's a more insanely bigger issue if it's a back that's got it than than a forward or a half well, yeah. a hooker anyway. Yeah, um, unless you're a beach sprint champion, that's a bit different. Hey, we don't have any of those in rugby league, though. I don't do we? think so. I mean, no. if, surely if we did have, someone would have mentioned it somewhere. Probably would have heard about it. Yeah, um, who was Storm got off? Asafa Solomona. He'd be a good signing. Kamakamitha, although he might be about to re-sign. Um, Nick Meany, Moroa, Cameron Munster. Well, he's oh. got to be. He's got to be their whale, hasn't he? He's got to be he's the whale. Be. Yeah. Um, be. And there was a lot of talk that he might have gone, but yeah. uh, for next year. But um, yeah, it, uh, it's going to be hard for the Storm to hold on to him. But 
the Storm tend to hold on to the ones they want to hold on to as well. Yeah, like the, the only one they've ever really the, they it felt like they had to lose Inglis because of the salary cap stuff. But the only one that they felt like they lost that they wanted to keep was um Falao. Yeah. Um, who else we got here? There's no one there worth looking at. The Titans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just a good pass. The Sharks. Um, Sienna Katoa, Will Kennedy. He'd be good. Mulatalo. Yeah, he'd be solid, yeah. Talakai, Trindle, Tig Wilson, who's really come on this year as well. Um, there's some handy depth players there as well. Like, they're playing... Uh, in the Shark 17, and they're doing very good jobs there. Um, but if you're building a, a team of elite players, those guys are still good enough to be on the bench or depth players as well um, and pushing for that spot in the top side. I mean, hard to argue with it. They're a team in the top four, you know. So it's these are the players that uh, – and these are the squads and stuff that, that Bennett would be looking at. Um the Bulldogs, Matt Burton's got a player option for 2024. So if he wants to get out of the Bulldogs at the end of next year, they could go after him as well. If you had to... Okay, i got a question for you. $1 million for Cameron Munster or $900,000 for Matt Burton? Munster. I'd go Burton. I know, I get... I, Munster's bed player, no doubt. Munster's different, a completely different level of player. Do you but, think though that that Burton is only worth a hundred grand less than Munster? Well, that well, my the reason I gave them prices is, uh, if Munster like a million bucks, it's hard to say over a million bucks if you're a top player in rugby league. But if you're under a million bucks, I can see where you push for the highest amount you can get. And I can see where camera, uh, where uh, Burton is like, look, I've proved myself. I've won a premiership, right? So I've got the experience. I've proven myself as a playmaker at the Bulldogs. Uh, if you want me, you've got to pay to get me. I don't. No, think I, I understand that. I, no. I don't think he's hundred dollars, hundred thousand dollars less of a player than Munster. I like. I think he's much less of a player than that. But I think that that would be the price. Well, the other thing is too. I think Munster's worth more more than one million. Did so getting really? in for getting in for one million dollars is mm. cheap, and mm. I, I think Burton at nine hundred is probably just a, a touch, just Overs. a touch over. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. Um, the interesting thing for Burton is going to be if Penrith can make him an offer. I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Yeah, I, I have a feeling there's a few players that the Panthers have let go that we might see them come back to the Panthers on a good contract too. But just that the Panthers will say, look, we went in this one direction. We won with it, but we think we can get better. Like I think Burton alongside Cleary is rude. (laughs) What happens if they sign, if they sign Burton, but it comes at the cost of Crichton because they go, look, we can't have both. They're too, too expensive. I take that 100%. Either we keep Crichton, Mm. and we have to sign another centre because we've got no others at the club. Mm. So we've got to get someone who's a little bit cheaper. I love Stephen Crichton. Like, I think he's a great player, but I would I would do that 
I would do that move. If it come down to, if Crichton wanted say seven hundred and fifty grand, or I could get Burton as, and I'm paying overs nine hundred thousand for Burton, I would get Burton with the idea that number one we've seen him at centre, he plays great as a centre, especially right. in that Panthers side. All right. What if the offer? Okay, there's been some movements that are going around. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm obviously trying to paint a picture that you'll say no to. Okay. Okay. Crichton says, I will stay, but only for a million dollars. And Burton says, I'll only go for a million dollars. And the Bulldogs say, we'll let you have Burton for a million dollars, but you also have to take his new centre partner, Jared Croker, as well. For free. Canberra Raiders, Jared Croker. Yeah, they've got rid of him. They don't need him. They've moved on. Well, Matt Burton's not looking for another club. He's gone to the dogs thinking, there's an, there's an in for me there. And the, the Bulldogs have seen him play and they're going, we don't need this guy. Let's put him on someone else's contract and they can just, we will pay Croker's entire wage while he's at some other club. You can have Croker for free if you want Burton and you've got to pay a million dollars for the two of them all up. Matt Burton can get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we need to hear. It's been a while, that's all. You know, people need to hear that every now and then. Just we just just to know that we're consistent. Um, yeah, yeah, Matt Burton could get fucked in that regard. But <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that uh I, I just wouldn't be shocked. And I I think the Jerome Luai thing is and I love Jer- Jerome Luai as a player. Um, yeah, I, I reckon you missed an opportunity there. Yeah. You could have just said, you know what, we say yes, we'll take Burton. Mm-hmm. We will hold conversations with Crichton for now because you know as soon as you say yes to Burton and you get Croker, you say, Justin, we've got a centre for you, mate. He's a goal kicker too. I know you've been having <laughs> trouble with goal kicking. You want him? Yeah, if you can give us a million dollars, you can have him. Yeah, but then Justin goes to the coach. Justin goes, I've got a centre for you. I've already paid for him. We've got Jared Croker. And like, yeah. Oh, and you go, oh, kind of yeah. oh, we've just got a million dollars. Stephen, you but, want to stay? <laughs> no, no, but then Potato, right, he goes to the coach and says, hey, we, we've got a goal kick and center that can't defend here, and the coach and and the coach who's canted everyone, he's probably canted Benji Marshall by that point. He he says, "Is he a back rower? <laughs> Can he play at five eight? Is he is he is he about a hundred and five kilos in between about five different positions? Yeah, because uh, then I'd be interested. But outside of that, now now, you, now we're starting to see that the whole this whole plan was just nothing but a, a, a Tyrone Peachy ploy to keep himself employed. <laughs> yeah. I see what you're doing, Tyrone. And I tell you what, well done. Yeah, I was weird. I, I was watching Tyrone Peachy walk off the field after that loss on the weekend. And I was just thinking to myself, like, what was the plan here? There's like, no plan. Yeah. That's so no weird. That's so Peach, weird. Peachy's now the safest guy at the Tigers. <laughs> Well, that's what I was thinking when he walked off the field. I was like, damn, he's one of their top five players. He's, he's a lock. <laughs> he's a lock for anywhere you want him to be. He is locked in now. That's so bad. Oh, it's so bad. This is why the Sharks need to be worried about Talakai. Because mm. Sheens will be after him. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's a Tim Sheens wet dream. Oh, yeah. Um, Kirk Capewell will be after him. He's played yeah. a bit of centre. Yep, yep. Um, sure, he can play five eighth, and uh, look, he's passed the ball once or twice. So fuck, we can put him in a hooker as well if need be. <laughs> um, Josh McGuire's played hooker. 
Get yes. him in the side. He could probably play five eight. Bring him back from Warrington in two or three years' time when he's like thirty nine. He'll be fine. He'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. Um, man, this could go on. It's this too easy to fall into this trap, huh? It's it rare. is, it is. It's, it's a whole different type of West Tigers around. People have been listening to this while, for a while, hearing the same rant from me all the time. A lot of you people never had to go through what the West Tigers dealt with when Tim Sheens was last coach. And so you're going to get those different rants coming up soon. Yeah. You know, I was thinking on the weekend, um, all the players that aren't at the West Tigers, like basically right now, who were in their team at the start of the year, uh, and it's not a bad list. <laughs> <It's> too shabby. <laughs> oh man. Yes. But yeah, um, look, the the I think Wayne Bennett's done a, an all right job, as good of a job as you can expect from an expansion club that had the time frame that they had. Um, yeah. So I, I and look, the media's going to attack them, but that's all they do anyway. And he's done the smart thing about it. He's not signed anyone up to stupidly long deals. He's made sure that he's got the squad that he has signed. For mm. one or two years. And so every one of those players are playing for their contract, which means he's going to get the best out of them in those two years, which yeah. should be enough to keep them competitive, attract those bigger names he needs, and you just roll on from there. And there's no Albatross contract in there. There's no Ash Taylor contract, you know? No, no, there's none of that. He's smart enough to know not to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because um, I thought Callum Ponga would end up there. It, that didn't end up being the case. But if they had assigned Ponga... Um, he would have been a, a an issue for them. They would have had to have had some meetings about that. Mm. I thought they'd probably go after Reese Walsh a lot harder. I was surprised they didn't push him to push too hard in that direction. Yeah, yeah. It's look at. I mean, it just seems like Bennett said, "I want experience forwards, and we'll do our best from there." And yeah. that's that feels like what he did. You know, yeah. I think I it's not I- bad. I think you'll find, too, that there'll be a lot of players who'll be using the Dolphins as um, a bargaining chip to get out of contracts or get upgraded contracts, and that alone will force, especially some of those Queensland clubs, and to a lesser extent the Storm, given they're relying a lot on Queensland players as well. Mm. It'll also force them into having to let go of some other players in order to accommodate these upgraded contracts, which the Dolphins will capitalise on. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. They're only going to get go from strength to strength, so uh, don't buy too much into what the media's howling and bawling and bitching about. No, um, no. they'll be fine. Now there, there was a story I saw where the NRL has upgraded uh, some of the suspensions that can happen in the WNRL, and WNRL players are unhappy about that because um, it will see them. Like a three-game suspension sees them losing, uh, missing a big chunk of their season. You know. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, before the the um, the expansion they had, they only had four teams, so they only played six games a year, mm. and then the finals. I think now the season might be going out to ten or twelve games. Mm. Yeah, you lose three games. That's a fair whack of the season gone, and they're not they're not being paid huge coin. No, it's pretty nuts, and. To be honest, I don't know how many suspensions have actually been in the WNRL. They they play play the game very clean. Yeah, I don't think there's too many, hey. But it's it's a kind of a catch twenty two where, um, like if if you're a WNRL player and you take someone's head off, and they say, well, we're going to give you the the percentage of the season equivalent of what 
would happen in the NRL. So you're suspended for 57 minutes. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't, kind of still got to give a, a week by week suspension and it's not going to be yeah. good enough to it like say, well, you did exactly what Nathan Cleary did, but because the season's shorter, we're only going to give you one week. Like you can't do that. So there's, there's going to be five rounds of the NRLW this year. And that might be because uh, they've got the World Cup that caps it at the end of the year, so they can't go yeah. later in the year. And they're, they're obviously fitting in the two seasons in one calendar year. That's right, yeah. Um, obviously, I haven't got the draw for next year yet, but next year will be bigger because there's more teams in there. Yeah. Um, and obviously, they're trying to get, get it so that the... Well, I assume the NRLW Grand Final would be on the same day as the NRL Grand Final. Yeah, I would think so, huh? That would, that would make sense. Mm. Um, final round of the NRLW is the 18th of September. That seems consistent. By the way, that reminds me in terms of Grand Finals and all the stadium uh, stashes that were going on. Mm-hmm. By the way, we should talk about the the incident at Leichhardt Oval where there was a... <laughs> I, I think it was some like junior rugby league, uh, rugby union match. Yeah, so, it, was a, it was a junior rugby union competition that was going on. Um, and there was uh, some people that were um, basically leaning on a, a guardrail, and the guardrail gave way. And yeah, talk about them, tempting fate. Yeah, and a bunch of them fell face first, and it was about I would say it was about a meter and a half drop. Yeah, about that. Um, there were a couple of broken bones and some concussions and stuff like that. Thankfully, no one was really badly injured. Well, given um, it was a rugby union crowd, everyone there was a doctor, so it was fine. <laughs> they all landed on their cheese plates. That's right. So, look, the platter took a lot of the heavy beating. Um, <laughs> from what I've heard, not a single bottle of wine was broken. So that's the uh, most important part there. I've never seen so many uh, Chardonnay glasses up in the air trying not to spill it at one point. That's right. They, they Not a drop of Grange was dropped anywhere. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, thankfully there was no victims in this whole matter. And look, leaning on the fence was probably a bad choice, but so too was attending a rugby union game. Yeah, look, um, if they're but, smart too, they probably would have tried to go side on where they could have landed on their wallets and would have had that nice hefty wad of cash to cushion the blow and they fell. True, true. Um, didn't think that through, but then, you know, what do you expect? But look, that ground, we've talked about it before, and I get that Tigers fans love it. You probably love it too. Do you love it? It's weird. I, I love it, but not because I think of the whole experience as great and sort of stuff. I'm a fucking historian, you know? Mm-hmm. So I like the history of the game. I like checking these things out. Just because I like going and checking it out, it's like going to a museum. I like seeing all of the great stuff in the museum. It doesn't mean I want to see them in use. I don't go to the uh, the war museum and see that that boat that's in the in the you know, I think it's in the foyer there. It's got the bullet holes in it that came from the landing at, at Gallipoli. Mm-hmm. I don't see that and think that would be a great vessel to have a P&O Funstar she, you know, she cruise thing on it and go around the world in that. You know, it's it's it should be something that we go and check out every now and then. It'd be great if they refurbished it and had it as a place for a, you know, a rugby league museum. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd have for those sort of things. You can have events there, but you don't. The problem they've got with Leichhardt, is and this is going back nearly 
nearly 20 years at least. I'm sure of it. The, one of the main stands there got condemned because of the white ants had mm-hmm. gone through it all. It was so unsafe, even to go near it. They cordoned it all off. There's ropes all around. You can't sit in it. You can't go walking past it or through it. You've got to go around it everywhere for good reason. But to think that it was okay to go and lean on a paling fence there going, oh, the white ants going to come over here. Oh, no, oh, it, was a steel, it was a steel fence, hey? It was a rusted steel fence. It looked like a white, a white wooden picket fence. It was a steel yeah, I, I saw it was a uh, like well, I saw pictures of it and it was yeah the bolts basically uh, and the um, collar that was holding it in it was all rusted and fucked yeah. yeah that's probably because everyone couldn't get to the toilet block in time so they just pissed on whatever else they could find <laughs> well it's rugby union crowd so they urinate they don't piss they urinate maybe someone did spill their chardonnay <laughs> <laughs> weaken the steel. <laughs> You know, uh, the the ground is in a horrible state of disrepair because of that. Um, they've constantly been asking for upgrades, constantly been knocked back. Um, you know, the the local council there have not been very open to modifying the ground, as far as I can recall. Um, so the upgrades that have been put forward, mostly to make it a regular NRL venue, have been getting knocked back because the local council thinks it should stay the way it looks. Believe it or not, look too much. Local councillors were on TV, yeah. uh, upset at the New South Wales state government for not putting money into it. Well, they've been, fucking uh, unbelievable. But the state government, the, the local council and the state government have been bickering for ages about how the upgrade should work and where the money should be spent and what should be done to the ground. They've never, ever come to an agreement on how it should be or done, which is why they never get the funding. Yeah, yeah. That's, look, and I'm not saying that's fact. That, that's how I, how I see it. That, I don't live in the area anymore. I stopped paying attention to the news about it because I just got sick of the same shit being said all the time. But pretty sure I was along those lines, happy to be corrected. But... um. <clears throat> They'd been bickering over it for years. I remember going to Leichhardt the first time was in two thousand and four, two thousand and five, mm. and I I went along and helped hand out some pamphlets for um, some organisation out there called Stop the Rot. It was about trying to get funding to deal with the white ants problem in the stand there, because mm-hmm. um, that was not long after it got condemned, mm-hmm. and they were trying to get some money to, I suppose, knock it down and rebuild it as a steel structure, not a wooden one. Yeah. Um, but still try and make it still look the same. And I think the local council is having issues with, with that being done. And I don't know why, um, but it just seemed all nonsense. Just a lot of insane amount of red tape and bickering for no reason, and no one was getting anywhere out of it. And here we are, 18 years later, having achieved nothing, yeah. absolutely nothing. And now they're complaining because, oh, we don't get any state government funding. We're going, it doesn't. Even, this, this has gone through... Liberal and Labor state state governments now. It's not even about what political party's in power. It's entirely about the local council not knowing what the fuck they want to do other than bitch and moan about not getting all this money that they want. Yeah. And, sick of it. And it's like, you, you know, it's a poorly placed ground and it's... Yeah. There's no public transport near it other than a bus route. Yeah, and it's it's used half the time by one club who says they've got three different home grants in Sydney. Um, and one of those home, well, I'm being generous here. And then, and one of those home grounds is a brand new 30,000 all seater stadium. And the other one's out at Campbelltown. Uh, Um, They're they're building a new one though, you know. Where? Penrith. 
Well, how have you not heard about this? You know, the, one of the, the good Panthers things. Panthers play there every week. How did you not know they were building a West Tigers home ground there? Look, one of the good things that come out of all of this news is that the New South Wales government has said the Panthers ground is going ahead and then there will be no more stadium upgrades, which I was cheering about. Uh, not for selfish reasons, mo- mostly for personal reasons that only affect me. Hashtag our jungle. <laughs> I, I, oh, man. Hashtag new era. 100% the potato's going to try that, hey? <laughs> you heard it here first. It's going to no happen. Doubt. There's no fucking doubt he's going to try that shit. No doubt at all. I was in Penrith before those guys were. One hundred percent. Oh, I'll go to look. I'll go to that game. I'll go to that game. Fuck it. Oh, fuck. I'll be keen to go to that game. <laughs> yeah, fly I'll up. Get a sh- I'll get a shirt made. Just has our jungle on it. <laughs> and I'll get one that says no, our jungle. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Uh, oh fuck. He's definitely gonna do that. He's that petty. He would fucking do that. Yeah. Ink that in. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. What a. What a. Dickhead. Um, yeah, oh, I can't wait for that to happen now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, it's look that that ground. I think it should be turned into something along the lines of uh, a venue like Henson Park, where it's like, look, this is a, a this is what it is, and we're going to work with what it is. I would just I would cut back some of the facilities that. Uh, they're like, oh, just make it a three three sides of the ground, uh, hills. You got a little grandstand, you know, get some toilets in there and stuff, and and keep, have it as a New South Wales Cup venue, you know, because that it's it's not good enough for the NRL anymore. No, it's not. It's not, um, and that's been the case for a long time. The and we've said it before, you know, I I love I love attending games at Leichhardt. Mm-hmm. I've never really particularly had an enjoyable experience going to Campbelltown to watch games. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just personal reasons. But mm-hmm. if I'm being completely honest, if the West Tigers are smart about their long-term future, they are moving permanently to Campbelltown. Yeah. They can't keep doing this airy-fairy, moving around everywhere thing because it's just – look where it's got them. Yeah. Right where they started. You know they've gone they've gone nowhere. They had a, a brief moment of glory in '05 and a brief hiccup of success because that's what it is. Tell you what, that could be the name for the podcast: a brief hiccup of success. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and that that's it. The rest has just been dire misery, mm. and it's because they've got nothing solid. There's no solid platform for this club anywhere. Yeah, look, you can't build you can't build a solid foundation when you're moving. No, yeah. their base is at a different place to where they're trained, to where they play their home games, mm. all of them. They've got home games everywhere. There's no there's no soul to this club. There's no centre to it. There's no base that they're located at. People sit there and complain about the Dolphins not having a name to them. and going, the West Tigers have a name, kind of, and they're all over the fucking shop. Yeah. Why isn't anyone going on about the fact that they they don't have a proper location and a base? They go after the Dolphins, but not the Tigers. I don't get that. That's stupid. Anyway, it really is. It really we've, is. We've tread we've tread all over that ground before. That's very true. That's very true. Um, is there any other news that's popped up in the last uh, couple of days? Anything else? 
Yeah, I can't think of anything else either. Let's have a quick look at the NRL ladder before we wrap things up. Um, so the Panthers are still out in front. That's all I wanted to say. No, not really. So the Panthers, like, they've all but wrapped up the minor premiership at this point. And, uh, you know, the Sharks, I guess they could still jag second place. But, damn, the Cowboys are a good team. I'm really impressed with the Cowboys. Um, you got left at three. It is three, isn't it? Or is it four? Three rounds left. Oh, is that oh hang on. I oh, know four, four including this week. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's, there's a total of eight points available, um, which means yeah, the the worst Panthers can happen is they lose all their games and the Cowboys win all their games, and Panthers can finish second. Yeah, that yeah. I can't imagine that their four and against would allow the Sharks anywhere near them. Unless the Sharks are just absolutely... Well, I mean, they're playing the Tigers this week. Oh, shit. That's a problem. There's, there's plus 60. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's The thing that's interesting is that the Storm are out of the hunt for the minor premiership. Yeah. Um, as are the Eels. No surprise mm-hmm. there. Uh, it looks like... I'd imagine it should be... The Eels should be the last team that's should be considered safe in the finals hunt. I, I could um, see the Rabbitohs jumping the Storm and Eels, hey? Look, it, it's it's possible. Mm. But surely the Eels, I mean, as much as they've got a horrible run home um, and their points differential is dire, um, they are a win clear of the Roosters and the Broncos. That's a good little buffer. Two mm. wins clear of the Roosters. All those teams are in the top eight already. They're three wins clear of the ninth place Raiders. The Raiders have one loss. That's it. It's all over. Yeah, and, and I mean, I mean, I'm sorry. The Raiders have one loss. Then the Eels are locked in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't see the Raiders picking up any cons- any consistent form that's going to be worthwhile having if they lose uh, one or two more games. No, it's really basically between for that last spot. I think it realistically is just Roosters versus Raiders. And, look, the Roosters play the Cowboys this weekend. I don't think they'll win that. And the Raiders play the Dragons. Um, and it's just a matter of how the – I don't – I've got no idea how the Raiders' actual players are going to react to this week. That is such a hard game to tip to because the Dragons are just – it's guesswork picking them every week. Yeah, sometimes they'll put in a really solid performance and other times it's like – and yeah. look, if, if the Dragons, weirdly, if they win this game, they could still be in with the shot if the Roosters lose. Um, and the Seagulls would be in with the shot. Yeah, I mean, mainly if, the Dragons are still uh, mathematically a chance of making the finals. Uh, but yeah, they, they need... They need Roosters loss. Roosters and kind of Broncos. If those two teams start losing games only because the Roosters are two points closer mm-hmm. and the Broncos points difference is dreadful. Mm-hmm. Makes them both in the firing line um, for the teams below them on the ladder. I just wish that the Bulldogs had fired Trent Barrett earlier because they're coming home strong. And I think yeah, that if, if they had know, fired him in the preseason, they'd be in the finals. Huh? Oh, 100%. I think they'd be locked into the finals. I think we'd be, we wouldn't even be talking about them as, Will they make it? I think they'd be in there. Mm, absolutely. Um, 
As for the uh, wooden spoon, who do you think it's going to be? Do you reckon that the Tigers will get it or, or I don't the know, Titans? See, this, and I'm, I'm not. I'm trying. I'm not going to be biased here. The Tigers, though, have been far more competitive in their last four games. Mm-hmm. Their defense actually looks a little bit better at last. Um, to the point that there's now four teams with a worse points differential than them on the ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, they still haven't conceded 500 points yet this year. They're very close, but um, they're doing well to to stay competitive and and not leak points as much. The Titans are just so. I don't think they care anymore. Mm. They're just playing whatever. Yeah, they've given up, high. Yeah. The Warriors are coasting by on what they did earlier in the year. Um, I'm not too sure those bottom three teams change around too much. The only thing that will change is if the Knights get worse and fall down below them. Yeah. Yeah. I can't see the bottom three changing a great deal. And those bottom four teams are exactly where they deserve to be. And they can go in whatever order they want down the bottom there. They deserve whatever they are. They are the four worst teams this year comfortably. Yeah, very easily. Um, I I think that... Uh, I would like to see the Bulldogs above the Dragons. I think they deserve that. Yeah. I, oh, man. They, they're probably in better form than the Dragons, but I'd say they're probably in better form than Seagulls and maybe even the Raiders. Like, it's crazy how good they're going. And considering. In better form than Parramatta. Let's just swap the Bulldogs Parramatta. I don't think anyone would complain about that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I just think that, that that last place spot, it's going to be really interesting because you know that the West Tigers management has this thing of like, we've, well, we've never won the wooden spoon. I know. That was why I, I really ever. wanted them to get it this year. Cause I went, yeah. You know what? They don't have any more excuses to try and justify their existence anymore because yeah. they got the spoon. And fucking Titans. <laughs> <laughs> Bastards. Oh, Someone they... always comes along and saves their ass. Yeah, bastards. Conspiracy, yeah. attack, an inside job. Anyway, that's, what, that's probably why they, they lobbied so hard to get an extra two points for that game against the Cowboys. <laughs> well, it's, That'll uh, put us up to 14th. So, exactly. And that's the thing. Like They were literally arguing about getting extra points to put them up to 14th place. It's so dumb. You, you so know what the NRL dumb. should do. So you know what? Because you dared... You had the temerity to demand that we change a result like we've never done before. We're going to take two chunk, two competition points off you. No, you know what? We'll take three off you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That oh, look, Tigers good. are last. That would have been really good. But at least the books are balanced. That's right. Oh, the books are great. Yeah, yeah. The books are great. Plenty of spuds all around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been great having you. Uh, sitting and listening to the conversation me and Andrew have had. Yes, and uh, do as we did at the start of the episode. You know, make sure you you go and just let it out. Let know, let people know you've been a week out of dog, and uh, repent your sins. You'll feel better for it. Exactly, exactly. It's so free. So free. I'm mean, free to do it again now. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to be a week out of kid anymore. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you check us out on the socials on Instagram and Twitter at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, MySpace. So check us out on all of those. And uh, we'll catch you tomorrow where we will be doing our preview for the upcoming rounds at round 21. So tune in for that. Thanks, everyone. Catch you next time. Palmer bet with the big don't argue, Palmer.
punters will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858.